Hello, I'm Dylan. And I'm Keon. And this is Zenith, that podcast with a space durian, because this week we watched Ultra World. Written by Trevor Hoyle. <laughs> Directed by Veer Lorimer. Yeah, he's back. He's back. And aired on March 10th, 1980. This is Trevor Hoyle's only script for the show. Fun fact. This is the only story he writes, although apparently I just saw he writes a novel called Scorpio Attack or Scorpio Rising or something huh. like that. Yeah, that's really interesting. Maybe that's something I'll <clears throat> read at one point. Probably not for... Pretty sure Zenith. Paul Darrow wrote a book, too. Right, Paul Darrow, wrote, Paul Darrow wrote a book called Avon, A Terrible As- uh, Aspect, I think? Affect? Aspect? I don't know. I don't remember. You know what? I'm going to look it up. I'm just Avon, A Terrible Aspect. Right. Avon, A Terrible Aspect. Which he, he also wrote a book called Lucifer. Is that related to Blake 7? And then Lucifer Revelation and Lucifer Genesis. Yes, they're all three are Blake 7 huh. books. Yeah, I know I know uh, the Terrible Aspect one is pretty poorly received. Um, people don't <laughs> oh. like what he does with Avon's character in that because that's that's uh, it's about Avon. It starts with Avon as a child, and it, it's, it's basically Avon's origin story. Yes, well... Uh, <laughs> I'm just reading the wiki page. The first section is titled Avon's First Name. It says, in the Blake 7 series, Avon's first name is usually given as Kerr with a double R. However, in the novel, it is consistently spelled Kerr with a single R. <laughs> this is explained as a short form of his full name, Kergulin? <laughs> Said to mean desolation. The latter is either a misunderstanding or poetic license on Dara's part, probably based on the Kergulin Islands in the southern Indian Ocean which are sometimes known as Desolation Islands. Oh, boy. The name Kerguelian is, however, not a direct translation of Desolation, but a reference to the discoverer of the archipelago, since the novel consistently uses Kerr with one R. This form is preferred for use in this article. <laughs> Apparently, the book is a prequel to the Blake 7 story telling uh, Avon's... Uh, it's, it's his origin story. Yeah, it, I know there's something... Uh, the, the conflict in the book is like related to Avon's father and stuff like that. I don't know too much oh about boy. it. Oh, boy. Yeah. I mean, I'm Blake pretty Seven, sure most people don't like This it. is probably a discussion for an, a later time. Blake Seven is one of those shows that really thrives on the fact that you don't know that much about these characters, in my opinion, before they meet each other. Sure. And that's something they've actually even played with, right? Where, mm-hmm. like, you know, you your villa is introduced as, like, this sort of... He's this pickpocket. Actually, when he's first introduced in The Way Back, he, he's... She's, he's he's kind of there's a there's a mean spiritedness to Villa that is only I think in the way back, but really like you know series A he's sort of he's one thing and then you know series C he's another right he's like yeah. this genius who's been hiding his potential and stuff like that. So you know maybe getting all this detail about Avon's backstory, which I mean I liked the Anna stuff I thought that all worked well, but mm-hmm. you know going into the, like this level of detail might be a yeah. Bad do decision. we really need to know about like Avon's father and? <laughs> It's, like, it's just too much, really, in my opinion. I thought also Paul Darrow wrote a book about Avon set like 20 years after the end of the show mm. as well that reveals what happens to Avon. <laughs> yeah, you know, I wouldn't be surprised, but just knowing what I do about how this show ends, that's that also Well, I'm pretty sure it like mildly retcons the ending <laughs> because I know how it ends as well. But I was pretty sure he wrote one set like way after the. Yeah, maybe that's the Lucifer trilogy. Possibly. I'm not sure entirely. Although I, you know, I don't know. So. Anyway, Ultra World. 
Yeah, Ultra World. Uh, I might as well just bring this up right off the bat is that, you know, frequent correspondent RG mm-hmm. uh, mentioned last week that Ultra World is the first episode of Blake 7 that she ever watched, and that's sort yep. of what got her, and, and Moloch, I think she also said, mm-hmm. it's sort of what got her into the series. And, and I can really see that. Like, if I had watched this as a first episode, you know, just randomly found it or whatever, I'd be like, oh, this is awesome. I got to watch this whole thing. And then you'd watch Volcano and be like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> But there's so much there's so much cool stuff going on in this episode. This almost felt like a series A episode in like the amount of crazy and different ideas that they cram into it. You think of series A, stuff like the web, right, where they have mm-hmm. the liberator and it's it's like it's being attacked by a psychic force and it's it's also somewhat alive and they go into this web and there's these experiments down the planet and and those early episodes are all like that. They're just crammed full of all these you know, to to whatever extent they work is up to like Terry Nation, basically. In series A, yeah. But actually, that's something Terry Nation does as a writer as well. He crams a lot of stuff into his stories. Well, until he starts to run out of steam at the end of the season when there's like one thing per story because he's like, oh, shoot, I still got to write like five more scripts. And this episode actually does that as well. Series C, I think, is, has been great so far. It's probably my favorite ser- uh, series, but... You know, the episodes are very, they're starting to be single-minded, right? They're yeah. starting to be about one thing, one idea, and Although really the same idea of like Sobelan. this. Right. They're, I, I think they've, and I like this, you know, this whole questioning truth thing and, and reframing all of this stuff that I've talked about more than I probably should have over the last couple of weeks. <laughs> I like all that, but when all the episodes are about that and they drive it home so much, it starts to get a little old. Well, that, that can happen with anything, really. Yeah. But this episode starts off with r- really a reversal from what we've seen in the past couple of weeks of, of uh, you know, they, they see something on the scanners and mm-hmm. Avon's like, all right, we got to go there. And everyone else is like, no, we're not going there. And Avon's like, well, okay, guess we're not going there then. But then Callie goes into her room and like zones Starts out. Starts doing some psychic nonsense. Yeah, she like does something. But then we cut to... I guess the next day or later in the day. Sometime later. Some time has passed and they get like a distress signal from Callie and they're like, but I thought Callie was in her room. (laughs) They're like, nope, turns out, no, turns out she's on the ship. And then (laughs) they're like, oh, the uh, Dana's like teleport coordinates have been changed. And Avon's like, what? And Tan's like, but, but why? We uh, we see a, a, a blue hand reaching out towards Callie. Mysterious Mm -hmm. blue hand. Villa is also sort of in the corner joking around with Orak. He's trying to teach Orak jokes. Yeah, he's trying to teach Orak how the jokes work. But a little as you know, you can't teach an old computer new jokes. Well, you can, apparently, <laughs> at the end of the story. I think that's actually the moral of the story, is that you can do that. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what the first joke he's trying to teach him here is. I don't remember what it was. Uh, I remember one of them was, uh, what, do you, what do you give to a guy whose head is full of water? It's like a tap on the head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Norak, like, picks it apart and explains it. And he's like, oh, it's funny because this, that, and the other. It's <laughs> like you're it's ruining double it. meaning. So. It's like how when you explain a joke, you ruin it. It's not funny anymore. Yeah. That be how it do. I did not intentionally mess that sentence up. <laughs> and so, so they, yeah. They, they, they see the thing. They don't know what it is yet. Uh, on the uh, scanner's... And it's massive. And this is the distress call from Callie coming right. from it. And Avon's like, it looks like an artificial planet to me. And Dana, Dana yeah. actually, this this episode has a lot for Dana in it. 
Dana and Tarrant. Yeah. And this is actually good coming off sort of this Callie episode. Yeah, Callie that, is the first one put out a commission in this right, episode. Right, which I was totally okay she with. She is the gang character. And I was totally okay with that because Sarcophagus was her all her episode. Even though she is out of com- Like we mentioned before, it's kind of weird that that's her episode when she's out of commission, but... Yeah. Yeah. Well, because she is the driving force behind that plot, like we right. said last week with Archie. Right. And this is all... Dana and Tarrant, which is great. They really haven't been in the spotlight as much as they should they have. They get some I think. chemistry later on. Yeah, where they're forced to not. Yeah, you know, there's there's a, there's that Avon and Villa, or not Avon, Avon Villa, and Villa chemistry. <laughs> there was that, there was that uh, Avon and Callie stuff last week, and now there's the the Tara. God, what am I saying? Tarrant Dana stuff. Wow, poor Villa. <laughs> really? Well, there's Villa and Orac. Great. If that's the romance we all <laughs> yeah. so sorely deserved. Why Villain not? Orac. Forever. Hearts. It's the romance we need, but not the one we deserve. I was just thinking about this because I know, I think this is, I want to bring this up now because I'll forget to bring it up later, but you were talking about how Series C is different because, you know, Villa's all of a sudden the super genius or, or all of a sudden we find out that Callie was exiled and it wasn't a self-imposed exile. And I think that could potentially play into uh, this theory that you made up on the spot during Series A that all the characters are just how Blake sees them. Right. But Series C could be possibly all the characters are portrayed the way Avon sees them. Avon possibly sees Villa actually as the super genius. So he sees Callie as a threat because she was actually exiled or whatever. Maybe. Or and maybe. that possibly might explain why these backstories are coming out now because now we're seeing it from Avon's point of view rather than Blake's and Avon possibly knows more and knew more. Right. And here, that's, that's actually interesting because I, I think I brought this up in Rumors of Death is how... You know, in Series A and B, the Federation's still pretty strong. They have this sort of centralized knowledge bank of some sort that Avon, or not Avon, God, what am I saying today? That Orac <laughs> is able to tap into, right? He's able to tap into their computers and get information. And they really have a monopoly on information and and the truth, really. Mm-hmm. And in Series C, that's all decentralized, it's destabilized, because the Federation doesn't really exist in the same way they did before. So, you know, maybe this is just the characters as they you know, all mm-hmm. are, right? Like, mm-hmm. we get this information that, oh, Callie isn't really, like, this great person that we thought she was. Villa isn't really this bumbling idiot. He's actually a genius and the smartest one, one among them. So maybe it's among the Liberator crew, it's Blake who had this sort of monopoly on really who these people were and what we saw on the show. And now that he's gone, that's not there anymore. Possibly, but it's interesting to note in the story that the Federation seems to be coming back right. because Tarrant refers to it as Serverland's empire. Yeah, they're they're coming back, I think. I did make note of that line there. Seems to be, if Tarrant's right, you know, they're coming back in full force. Right, possibly stronger than before because they're no longer a federation. They're apparently an empire now. Well, I think he, that's I think that's just a term he threw out, like Serverland's empire. I think possibly. they're still called the federation. We don't know, though, because they, they only refer to it as Serverland's empire in this. Sure. <laughs> this is the most up-to-date information I, we have. <laughs> This is cutting edge, this straight is the out of Terrence's edge, mouth. Straight out of Terrence's mouth. <laughs> Del Terrence. That would actually be a really interesting twist if they brought the Federation back as an empire. Right. Yeah, this is like a, a Rome, like Republic to Empire type thing. <laughs> well, that was just Julius Caesar surreptitiously seizing power. Not really surreptitious, but Julius Caesar seizing power. Right. In weirdly much the same way that Hitler would, like hundreds of years later. History repeats itself. The only thing we learn from history is that we learn nothing from history. <laughs> so they go down to 
whatever this thing is. It looked like a durian to me. I don't know why I made that connection. Well, it looked but, like, uh, man, you know, when I saw it, I instantly knew what it looked like. And, and this was like three hours ago. And then I, and now I've completely forgot. Oh, that's what it looks like. I remember now. I was going to say I completely forgot, but I remember now. It looks like Spaceship Earth at Walt Disney World. Not, at the Epcot Center. Mm, the big not, white but globe. It's more, but it's more spiky. spiky. Uh, Spaceship Earth is pretty spiky. Uh, maybe I'm not remembering how it looks correctly, but yeah. Spaceship Earth is... is <laughs> it's pretty spiky. <laughs> it's anyway, they they, they go down. They're inside. Well, everyone it. except for Villa uh, Dana, and uh, Dana actually makes this comment. She's like, "Well, you know, just look at the surface of that thing. You know, nobody could live on that. So it can't be an artificial planet." And Avon's like, "Not on it, but in it." Yeah. So it really makes you question, like, how this thing all works. Like, <laughs> I guess it's just. Just levels, like you know, floors, just inside. Well, or, see, this like, is the other. Or, or are they like inside? Are they walking on the inside of the the sphere? Is okay, the, like, I always have the same thought about Death Star, but I have it about this too because Death this, Star is like Death Star has levels. I but think. this is the thing. This is what I'm always wondering: Are they like flat levels that go bottom to top, or are they like spherical shaped levels that radiate outwards? Because this. And the Death Star are big enough to have their own gravitational pull. So if you have yeah. if you have like flat levels, you could go to the edge of the level and you'll be pulled sideways by the gravity. Like you'll be pulled sideways <laughs> towards the center. But we never see any indication that it's like a spherical level. So I'm forced to assume well, it's a flat one where I everyone mean, gets pulled I mean, towards the center near the edges. Well, I mean that doesn't ha- happen obviously on screen because they don't follow like the actual like laws or whatever. Well, but yes. but here's the thing also is like I don't know how big this is, but you think of the Death Star and that's probably big enough that if it was like a spherical thing, you wouldn't like you, you could just see pe- it would just be like Earth, right? You just see people walking on it and it doesn't look like a sphere. It's it big, yeah. Flat. It's big enough that they mistake it for a moon. So yeah. So, you know, you just see, like, you're zoomed in on, like, you know, two people walking down a corridor. You're not necessarily going to yeah. see the, the, the curvature. They give a pretty good sense of the scale of the Death Star in Rogue One, and it's, it's pretty big. Yeah, we don't really know how big this is, but it's well, a lot. I mean, we see, like, with, well, when we the see Liberator it in comparison gets to on, the Liberator, and yeah, we so know the Liberator big. is massive. It's planet-sized, at least, but I mean, it's actually, yeah. Gravitational pull, yeah. That's one of the things that Blake Seven never actually mentions is gravity. Like they all go onto these ships and they never mention like the artificial gravity well, or whatever. Except when what's his face was making like this gravity machine to control the universe or whatever his stupid plan was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well remember you control gravity, you control the universe. That was in Shadow two point <laughs> It was in um Dawn of the Gods. Shadow two point <laughs> <laughs> So they all beam down to Villa and Orac, and they're looking for Callie. And uh, almost instantly, uh, Avon they, gets caught. Yeah, they, this was weird. They start. They run through the corridors. They see a map of the place, and yeah. Avon mentions that it looks exactly like computer circuitry. And they're like, "Oh, we're in a giant computer. The entire thing is a giant computer." Mm-hmm. But here's the thing: in this scene, they're being super not careful. They're running around corridors, making all sorts of noise and stuff like that. And I was like, "Is that really a good decision?" It reminds me of. <sighs> Was it Shadow? The one where Gan is put on guard and then he gets oh, captured. Yeah. They're no, like, did you really think that... <laughs> did you think this is the best person to put on guard? <laughs> yeah, they're running around and Avon gets basically immediately captured. Yeah, we. I think we actually have... This isn't like a perfect segue into this, I guess, but we actually have some new costumes for them, I think. Avon's wearing mm-hmm. this brown corduroy thing. 
And they're all sort of wearing... Dana's is like maroony colored, maroon burgundy. Right. She's still got the necklace. Uh, I think Tarrant's still wearing Blake's leftovers. <laughs> Not wearing those giant shoulder pad outfit type things that they were in. He's still got the massive sleeves, I think, if I remember correctly. <laughs> yeah. So they get captured by... The Ultras, the, I think. Yeah, they're, they're called, called the Ultras. And, they and this sort is of, Ultra World. Yeah. <laughs> wow. A, that's a Terry Nationism if I ever heard one. And they, they sort of they bring them into this room where they have these memory banks and they explain what's going on here. So Ultra World is, it is a giant computer. They're trying to store all the information that they possibly can. And yeah. the, uh, they have this, we don't learn about this yet, but there's this centralized location called the core that runs all of this. And we don't know what the core is exactly yet, but what we do learn, I think, now is that they... Ultra World is somehow alive. Yeah. That's is what they, is yeah. The core is alive, and they capture aliens, merge their consciousness with the core, and that's all we know at this point. Right. And, and they said they've, they've encountered, I think they say, millions of alien species. Yeah, and, and they sort which of... Which really calls into question where Ultra World is from. And, and much, because, they must just drive it around. Because... How many species have we encountered in Blake 7? You can count them on one hand. Yeah, I mean... There's the humans. Like... There's the, the pyroans or whatever the hell they were in I, Volcano. I think it's like... Cali I think it's species. 10, I think it's 10 to 15, probably in that range. They also look like humans, though. Almost yes. all of them. The decimas, maybe not so much. That the weird, decimas. The, the thing from Trial, possibly not so much. But again, they've encountered millions. Yeah. Millions. I mean, they're flying around outside the, the galaxy. They were for flying sure, around. For sure. They were flying around. Until <laughs> <laughs> they met Kerr Avon. And not even Kerr Avon, until they met Villa Restal. <laughs> <laughs> and this isn't a new concept for Blake 7, because I think it's Dana actually who pulls Avon aside and is like, a living, a living planet, is that possible? And I was like, well, you know, in some capacity, real, you know, world planets are living, living. But also we've seen organic s- ships, at least on Blake 7. The Liberator mm. is somehow yeah. somewhat alive in some capacity. Zen. There's Zen. Who's telepathic, if you'll remember that. There, oh God, there was another good example, but I'm completely blanking on what it is now. Oh, well. I'm not remembering. <laughs> yeah, I'm not remembering. Actually, either. yeah, the one from Trial. Ah, uh, Right. And, well, I guess because they're not really sure what alive means in this, right. this context. Uh, and it's not until they see the, the big brain that is the core <laughs> that they're like, oh, that kind of alive. You know, I made the, the Durian connection when I first saw it, which, you know, heck if I know why that was the case, because I barely even, Durians are like not even on my radar. But, you know, maybe it is a big fruit, the brain. Fruit don't have brains. <laughs> but maybe this one does. And maybe they just built it out into a computer inside or something, and they're like leveraging its <laughs> power or something like that. How big was the brain to start with? How big was the know. fruit to start they, with? Well, there's this line from Dana later, like the brain's expanding. It's yeah, growing the brain gets ex- more The brain gets bigger every time they put someone's consciousness into it. Yeah. By the it's, way, Callie gets completely dumpstered. Her consciousness gets put into the core, and she's wiped. She's just gone now, by the way. She's just an empty husk. They bring her. They bring it back, and the Avons as well. Yeah, you didn't. I know they bring them back. I was they're just, just. They're gonna. I was just, just like, just trust me. They're gonna be the same exact characters. Well, next of course week. they will. Of course they will. 
But I was just like so bummed that they got this like actual like devastating fate and then they just immediately undid <laughs> it five seconds later. Well, you know, we've talked about the Blake 7 and how Blake 7 is similar to, you know, a sitcom. Sitcoms a lot. have no consequences. But, uh, you know, and, and in some sense it really is. You know, things just return to the status quo almost every single week. You know, there are big turning points like Gant's death and, uh, you know, the series finales and stuff like that. And the 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 war and the, the end right, of the war. B. Really, for for <laughs> most of these episodes, it's just things go back to how they were before at yeah. the end. Mm-hmm. Maybe a few casualties here and there along the way. Yeah, and even when someone lands up on the Liberator at the end of the story, next week they're gone and it's back yep. to business as usual, as usual. They never even mention where the hell they drop these people off at. Right. They're, just, they're just gone. Right. So it's it's just business as usual. This this event, in fact, will probably never get mentioned again. Like last week, we were so surprised that they even mentioned that Callie couldn't even go back to her home world because right. of what happened to it. And that was like a shock. Yeah. I was just bummed that they were like... I, at first, I was like, I applaud the balls of this show to go so far as to actually wipe Callie's mind and wipe her entire personality. I was like, okay, this, that's like... That takes a lot of moxie to do. But then the, then Dana was like, so it's reversible, right? And the, the ultras are like, yeah, it's reversible. Uh, yes. And I was like... <sighs> <laughs> but, I mean, you think about, like, rumors of death. We were even... We were completely shocked that they even brought the, the stuff with Anna back. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because it was shocking. Yeah. It was hugely shocking. I mean, and maybe that was the point, is that you were in this false sense of security not security, but you were lulled into this idea that they never bring anything back and all of a sudden it's like, surprise, it's Anna. Or surprise, it's Callie's homeworld, which I don't... Oron, it's surprise, it's Oron. Maybe, yeah. Surprise, so, they're actually mind wiped next week. Yeah, right, as if. So, or they actually are... Uh, that would have been even more shocking as if they actually had mixed up Avon and Callie. And they, they're, they're not because we get them after they come back at the end of the episode. That's such a classic like sci-fi plot, though. Really? Mixing up the personality of two peoples. You ever watch Freaky Friday? I used to watch. Yeah, I have, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but, that's a, isn't, but that's a remake. Well, I mean... I'm of thinking, another you, movie. I mean, when you, when, you th- when you say Freaky Friday, I think about the one that came out when we were kids, which is yeah. a remake of the original the one with, Freaky Friday. The one with... Uh, was, was it Lindsay Lohan? Yeah, it was Lindsay Lohan. Wow, her career really fell off the map. <laughs> but that that movie is a remake of like a a movie from the seventies or eighties. Probably I also called Freaky. Friday. Yeah, it was also called Freaky Freaky Friday. But like, Which body, if, you don't, if you don't know what that is, it's a it's a it's about this girl and who her switches mom, her, I think. and her mom who like switch minds for a day and they're like they're yeah. at each other's throats all the time and they they live like a day in each other's shoes and at the end they reconcile. Yeah. <laughs> But that's like a classic sci-fi thing or a classic like body horror thing, swapping consciousness. That's yeah, like I a guess. classic staple, I guess, of the genre. This, I mean, we've talked about how Frankenstein, how foundational Frankenstein is for horror and science fiction on this podcast before. And that's really the thing. It, it kind of goes back to that, right, of this guy waking up in an unfamiliar body. Like, you know, the mm-hmm. creature wakes up and you're like, whoa, what the heck is it? You know, who am I? What is this? Right. And it's some, I think that's somehow related to the switching minds thing. Yeah. They don't switch minds, though. Dana and Taren get captured as well. Well, but they, they, they know the ultras. <laughs> God. <laughs> uh, it's, like really super, it's like the supers from Incredible, the Incredibles. 
Yeah, they but except that kind of made sense. Yeah. They knew the Ultras are up to no good. And when they get put into custody, I think, or maybe it's right now, I don't remember, but Dana's like, you know, are we just going to trust them? Are we just going to, you know, take their word that they're just going to, they're, that they're just peaceful or whatever? And Avon has this line, which is, I don't take anything on trust. And I really like that line. And I wrote it down. That's all I wanted to say about it. <laughs> I forgot to mention, are some of Orac's lights broken? It was a close-up on Orac at the start of the episode. It looked like some of the lights weren't going on. Wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> There's, I mean, now that you bring that up, let's just touch on this now. The Liberator bracelets in this episode. One of the Ultras crushes a Liberator bracelet. Mm-hmm. Well, they crushed mm-hmm. two of them. Or a, yeah, teleport bracelet. Well, they, they actually they crushed three because one of the Ultras crushes one in his hand and one of the Menials steps on two of them. Yeah. And here's mm-hmm. the thing, you know, in, in, the, in the story, in universe, this is supposed to be an amazing thing, right? Like this guy's super strong. He can just crush the teleport bracelet with his bare hands. But like when but you think about how this is made, it's like it's just cardboard and some plastic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I thought it was effective. I did too. Especially I when they crush it with their feet and you can't really see... The fact that it's cardboard because the yeah. feet obstruct it. Well, I mean, that was fine, but like when the Ultra crushes it with his hands, I did get the impression like, wow, this guy actually has super strength because he can just crush this thing with his bare hands. Yeah. But then, but then you're like, it was also kind of funny because of <laughs> just what it was. So at some point, Avon gets captured, and Dana and Tarrant find out what they use the wiped bodies for. They they see these menials shovel shoveling, I guess, quite literally other bodies just into this like furnace like object they have and i think it's dana says oh they're using the bodies as like food for the core yeah they're like feeding the core so they're feeding the core not only mentally by putting people's consciousness into it but but also uh physically physically and so that's when Dana and Terrence are like, well, we're going to have to get Callie and Avon out of this somehow. Also, when Avon gets captured, he calls Villa and he's like, hey, I told you to be on alert. And he's like, I am. I'm right here. And Avon's like, all right, teleport us all up in a second. I think something's going weird. It's going down. And immediately as soon as he said <laughs> that, he just gets conked on the head by one of the ultras. And Villa's like, hello? Hello? Goodbye. By the blue man group? <laughs> yeah, by the blue man group. <laughs> and... Villa then goes back to teaching Orak about humor. Humor. Quote unquote humor. I forget what, you know, Villa's jokes are just deteriorating throughout the episode. I forget what Well, by the end, he's just doing tongue twisters. Yeah. Sally sells seashores by, (laughs) seashells by the seaside or something like that. There's the, Miss Perkins eats gherkins and some, I forget what it actually is, but. Yeah. And pickled her. Her insides. Her insides. Or pickle her inner workings or something. I forget. I forget. And then there's how much wood could a woodchuck chuck of woodchuck could chuck wood. That's a classic. <laughs> so, basically, Dana and Tarrant are running through some corridors, and the Ultras are like, hmm, we've got them on the run. But it all looks we pretty could, good. We could use them for some experiments. <laughs> they're, they're running through corridors, and they're like, can't stay in one place for too long, or they'll find us. And then you just zoom out to uh, security camera footage of them. <laughs> <laughs> Well, she puts a gun to the menial's back, and then she sneezes, Dana, that is, and then he just turns around and looks at her, and she's like, uh... Yeah, they, they go into this room. This is, this is all taking place in this room that's, uh, I guess, is a cold storage for the bodies that they're keeping. Something like that. And I don't think they ever actually explicitly say that, but they go into this, you know, freezing room. They're, they go right. in, and they're like, it's freezing cold in here. And the menials, you know, their minds are completely drained. They don't even, the guy doesn't even react to having a gun in his face. Yeah, 
so they think this is kind of weird, but then they get captured. I think in that room because they're um, looking at this meaning. Ever since Maurice's email, I'm never not gonna like notice when we say weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, so they get captured, and then the ultras are like, "We need to know the human mating ritual," and they're like, "Wait, what?" Like, we need or the human bonding ritual they call it. Right. And Dana and Tarrant are like, "Wait, what?" And they're like, "We need to know the human bonding ritual for our." for the core it's something we don't have it's data we don't have this is like um macross i don't know if you've heard of macross but it, um it's macross is this really famous and i really don't like it it's this really famous anime series from the early 80s and the the aliens that they're fighting in that they like they've gotten rid of they're kind of like spartans they've gotten rid of everything that doesn't have to do with war and they like they see like these two, the, the main character and, and the love interest like kissing and they're like <gasps> and that like completely freaks them out and they're like what is this and that like blows their minds and <laughs> yeah <laughs> this actually this predates that I think <laughs> I have no comment you yeah. know on that actually <laughs> legitimately no comment but they're like yeah we need to record the um the, the bonding ritual the bonding ritual and then Dana lays down the terms. She's like, well, we want Callie and Avon reversed, and then we want to know if we can be set free. And they're like, well, that's for the core to decide. Dana's like, well, I think we should just take their offer. And I'm like, wait, what? Is Dana just going to sleep with Tarrant right here on camera? I think it's a good plan here. But then it's revealed that Dana has like a, a bomb, bomb in her, her mouth. She carries a bomb <laughs> under her tongue. That's what I got out of it. It's a tiny bomb. Yeah, they're like making out. They're doing some heavy petting on the bed. <laughs> And then the ultras are like, has the bonding ritual started? And Dana's like, well, it'd be a lot easier without interruptions. And this camera just lowers from the <laughs> ceiling. I'm like, man, this would be the most awkward thing in existence. Basically being forced to have sex with what is in essence your co-worker at this point. <laughs> uh, in a laboratory setting on camera. No, they seem to be taking it in stride. So but maybe there is something he, actually there. Here's the... Here's the thing about this little, you know, bomb that Dana pulls out of her mouth. Was there actually anything she was holding in her hands? Because what I think she just sort of reached into her mouth and, you know, had her thumb and forefinger pressed together. And she's like, don't worry, Terry, yeah. I have this. And there's not actually like a prop for it. I didn't see anything there in her fingers. <laughs> I imagined it was just like a little ball bearing of some sort that was like a small little ball. That was what I imagined it as. But there's no prop in her fingers, like if, if you can tell. If anyway. there's an actual prop, it's not... You can't see, like based on the quality of the episode, and you know we're watching it on YouTube, so <laughs> quality's not going to be great either way. But I don't think there was actually a, a problem. She sort of just throws it over into the corner, blows up the uh, the wall, a wall. Well, Tenet and says this something. Is, this thing is powerful, man, for like the size of it. It has a ten-second timer. It's really unclear what actually triggers it. If like making out for five minutes is what is required to trigger this bomb, <laughs> I don't think so. I think she just pulls it out and just. I think it's just like, well, this is just speculation from 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 this point on in terms of this, but I think it's just pressure or something, right? Because you think it's just like she keeps this in her mouth in case she has to bite down on it and blow something up. Her head? Well, herself, in case she's put into a situation where she has to blow herself up. Why wouldn't you just take cyanide? Why would you go through the... Right, take, your enemies you out with you? You. take your enemies out with you. But I wouldn't want my head to be blown off in this. I want to just, just bite down and just go. Like... Peacefully, I don't want to be waiting in anticipation for this bomb to go off in my head. Well, I mean, you wouldn't. You'd bite down on the cyanide, and, and, and that would take longer than just the instant explosion. 
except it has a 10 second timer so actually it will be a 10 second oh. explosion whereas the cyanide would be uh, pretty quick yeah i mean 10 seconds give or take like i don't i think even the cyanide uh. would take longer than that but hey I guess, but at least you're not going to have a painful explosion in your head because you will feel at least the first millisecond of that explosion. Yeah, but look on the bright side. What's you know, the bright be, side you'll here? You'll be gone. You'll be dead, so you won't have to deal with it. <laughs> Plus, you can take out your enemies with you, which is what Dana's all about. Dana uses a little remote control mouse car earlier yeah. when Tarrant gets quartered and it comes wheeling in and it makes this huge explosion and I was really confused about the staging of the scene because it does this huge like smoke explosion but like the way the scene is shot it looks like Tarrant is standing like three feet from the ultras but then it like cuts to Tarrant and there's no smoke on his screen at all and I'm like how the hell and how close was Tarrant standing to this bomb that went off that it like knocked out the ultras but had no effect on Tarrant at all. Anyway. No, where, oh, we didn't mention that the Ultras decide that Avon and Dana's minds are going to be drained. But Tally. Like, or Tan. Dana, Dana as well. They, they, they talk about da- they're talking about Dana. They're talking about and, Dana and Tarrant. They're talking about Dana and Tarrant, and they say, like, yeah, when we capture Dana, bring her in with Avon so that we can drain their minds, Tarrant will make a good menial. Yeah, right. <laughs> then they, they also draw in the Liberator at this point because they're like, oh, there's one more person on the ship uh, whose mind we can drain. But then they say, like, according to the information in Callie's mind, he's not going to be a threat and he's, like, no use to us or something like that. really makes you wonder why they don't have the human bonding ritual in Avon's mind, considering him and Anna seem to be pretty close. And considering the, like, the extent to which you're supposed to, like, believe, like, they have millions of species and they presumably know something about humans, but they don't have the, the bonding ritual. Although maybe Avon's wearing black leather and his bonding rituals at his head oh and they got a really weird oh perception <laughs> of what a human bonding ritual is like that involves whips and uh, sadomasochism. <laughs> this isn't actually, like, in the story, by the way. I mean, we're just... this is No, all, we just like playing just, up yeah. the fact that Avon wore that yeah. leather outfit that yeah, there's, long time. There's no indication. And I actually saw something on Making Blake 7 a couple weeks ago. Uh, Paul Darrow was like, yeah, I used to get you know fan mail from people who were into BDSM <laughs> and stuff like that. I'm glad we're not the only ones who picked up on this yeah. at least. <laughs> but it's not in the show. Just want to make well, as that far perfectly as you clear. Know. It's not on screen. I'm gonna. G- <laughs> My entire life goal now is to get the license to write a book for Blake Seven, <laughs> and I'm just gonna slip in in one of the paragraphs, just a completely out of context line <laughs> about how like Avon liked BDSM or something. Just slip it in there, and then it'll become official. Just, Blake Seven. Just canon. put it in at the beginning of the story. Just have it be like Avon. The opening Avon, line. Avon casually strolled out of his BDSM cave. <laughs> <laughs> the opening line. <laughs> Avon put down the whip. It wasn't open the door to his BDSM chamber. It wasn't every day that Avon was excited to step out of his BDS, BDSM chamber, but the Liberator we're terrible, scan- we're terrible people. scanners we're, ter- were picking up something very interesting. It's my opening line in my Blake 7 book. Oh, we're terrible. Uh, how did Anna put up with that? In this fictional universe we've constructed, I mean. I'll think of something. Or maybe she's the one doing the whipping. Maybe she's the one who initiated it. Who knows? <laughs> she's the one who revealed to Avon that he has this fetish. <laughs> We're getting very far off topic here. Yeah, we are. Dana and Tarrant escape through this hole in the wall. <laughs> maybe Dana and Tarrant have an exhibitionism fetish. But anyway, 
They escaped through this hole in the wall. <laughs> All the things that we're just reading into the story. But yeah, they escape. They run around for a little bit. And, and they encounter, this is, I think this is actually earlier than we didn't mention it, but they encounter the core, which is a giant brain. They do encounter it earlier, but the, they do encounter it again because they see it right. kind of hemorrhaging. Yeah, this, this thing, thing kind of gave me a headache just seeing it because it's, it's a massive brain. It looks really good by Blake 7 standards and just, well, just, by, just general overall, standards. by general standards. I think it looks really good and it's pulsing. It's, uh, yeah, it's, just, it's pulsing. just pulsing and it looks painful. And there's a sound effect that goes along with it right. that I thought was really good. And, and I really liked the model work on the Liberator. Yeah. When it gets drawn into the into Ultra World, and then when it's escaping, there's this really good model shot of it, like twisting out of its restraints and flying away. That I thought was really well done. Yeah, the the sound effect, the sound of this story is is really good, both the sound effects and the music, I think. And when the Liberator's sort of turning, you hear this groaning of the restraints, and that's pretty great, I think. I don't know if you noticed that. I did. No, I did. Yeah. I, and I agree, it's really good. I was just thinking, because I also wanted to mention the, uh, they don't really have a sound effect for the uh, mind wiping, but the one that they did use I thought was also really good. And I thought actually the, the, the all the sets on Ultra World too, like the control room, I really liked. Yeah. I think the, visually, um, aud- aud- auditorily, this is all really yeah, good. The one, the, the set they were using for the bonding ritual looked to me like a redress of the... The cold storage type thing. Uh, of the cold storage, but also a redress of the of the ship set in the uh, the one with Colin Baker. Oh, uh, city at the edge of the world. City at the edge of the world. The ship that Avon mm. and huh, what's really? her name are on. It looked like a redress of that set to me. To me, I mean, anyway. had to, had to have completely different lighting because this is kind of a dark room, whereas that yeah. was a bright silvery room. Just reminded me of it. Hmm. Maybe. Wouldn't be surprised, honestly, yeah. like with how much Based on Blake's they need to for reusing sets. Well, and, how much they needed to as well, or needed to save wherever they could. That is. Yeah. So the on the Liberator, Villa is going mad because he keeps running. He's running out of <laughs> things to tell. Orac. He's running out of comedy gold, and now he has to scale down to like comedy silver. <laughs> <laughs> comedy bronze. I'm pretty sure he's running on like comedy flint to begin with. <laughs> Where did Flint come into this this hierarchy? Know, just, What's between bronze and Flint? I have a lot of other stuff, probably. Well, but like what? I don't know. It's like, like when it's, it's like comedy pirate. <laughs> it's like when we uh, we did our leather anniversary for, <laughs> for Trust Your Doctor, the, the wood anniversary. <laughs> oh man! But basically. Avon and Callie get the thing reversed by Dana and Tarrant and they watch as the brain's kind of exploding so they run and because they don't have the teleporter bracelets anymore but Dana's like or Tarrant's like oh the Liberator's brought here so we can just go get on it and the, the brain is oozing this green liquid yeah, this greeny black liquid all the menials have just frozen and the ultras are like oh shoot oh shoot the brain is exploding <laughs> if it blows up we'll have nothing and they go into the uh, the Liberator and they fly away and then 
there's this scene now where Avon's just like, wow, can't believe we escaped. And Villa's like, yep, it was all oh, me. Oh, yeah, I do remember the scene you're talking about now. I said, because we just finished recording Trust Your Doctor. Or Doctor <laughs> Which will have gone out two days before <laughs> this. <laughs> and I said I didn't remember the scene where Orac explains everything. Yeah, but, but v- yeah, Villa's like, just but ask like, Orac. When you said it, then I was like, I thought you meant explain, like, from point... From from minute from second one to the end of the episode, he explains it all. But no, no he, he actually explains, explains the resolution. Yeah, because the resolution is really unclear. But then Orak explains it, I guess, because it was unclear. And he basically says, "Oh yeah, Villa was spewing nonsense at the brain, which distracted it, which allowed me to reflect its own brain waves back at, at the core. I mean, back at it, so that it wiped itself. Ha <laughs> ha. Right. No, like ha ha. Good job, Orak. Then Villa's like, what? I was just a distraction. And then Avon's like, you should take that as a compliment. Villa means that a, a normal, logical course of action is too much for you, Villa. And he's like, oh, right. Hey, wait a minute. And then we just see Avon give this sly smile. And then we get a sh- we actually get a shot of the Liberator flying before it ends, interestingly. Hmm. And that's the end of Ultra World. Yep. That it was a you know, really good story. Like I mentioned before, f- this is this might be based on what I kind of know about how series C is where series C goes like the, you know, the finale of it and the episodes that are coming up you know the, the tail end of series C which is often called you know one of the best parts of Blake 7 overall mm-hmm. is these sort of tail end episodes of series C this might be series C's sort of keeper moment the keeper moment right where it's a callback to an earlier style of episode mm-hmm. near the end of the season right before the season ends right before the the shit hits the fan <laughs> well so I, I only know one thing about the end of this season so I don't know if I can comment on that too much because I don't know anything about any of the episodes between now and the final like five seconds of the season so <laughs> uh, I can't so comment on that too much right now we should uh, do our what would Blake do uh, yes I forgot mine. to mention mine mine was uh, when Avon gets captured uh, Blake would have just given in right then and there because Avon actually puts up quite a fight and they take quite a while to crack Avon's mental conditioning. And the my what would Blake do moment is, well, number one, he would have been the first caught. Uh, he would have caught, been caught much sooner than Avon. But when he was caught, he would have just, he would have had no mental fortitude to give in what he's just given in immediately. Because part of the reason why Avon's like resistance is so important is because it's the reason why the Ultra's like, man, we really got to capture Dana and Tarrant because like maybe we can crack Avon if we get Dana and Tarrant. Sure. Mine was that uh, Blake wouldn't put up with Villa's jokes as much as Orak does. He wouldn't be taking any of that. <laughs> well, because when Blake was head, Blake I was guess. yeah. Blake ran a tight ship, you know. Did he? <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> Blake ran the opposite of a tight ship. <laughs> Loose lips sink ships. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good one. But he didn't really run a tight ship. But he didn't have to put up with Villa's nonsense either. So yeah. Yeah, you know, I actually didn't have much to say about this episode. I just really liked it. I just think it was really solid. I thought it was solid. I don't actually have much to say about it either. I can oh. see the body horror elements of this episode with the your mind is wiped and then you just become a menial or you just get fed to the to the core. And I liked that. Like, I think that was good and risky for a television program, at least in the 70s. I think Blake 7 has gone darker. Definitely, but it's never been like this explicitly like body horror like I think it's dealt with darker concepts like you know it's had it's had a war and like genocide and chemical warfare and mind control but this is like your mind is wiped and then your body just gets used without your control I guess there is actually one line from Dana that I wanted to bring up I forget what she says this in response to but she says we have to believe 
if we hope to survive. I don't and remember this that. Rem- this made me remember one of Hal's last lines in Aftermath, which is that Servaland's describing how he's been, he was like branded as a traitor and a coward and after he fled and everything like that. And he says, that might have been true, I've never been sure. So like mm-hmm. his daughter, like Dana, this father and son duo. Daughter. God, what am I saying this episode? <laughs> Every single character's name I've gotten wrong. I've called, oh God. Right, this daughter and father duo are like at complete opposite ends of the spectrum, right? Dana says Dana has to believe if she hopes to survive or whatever, right. but you know, I, I don't think that's really followed up on in the episode all that much, or at least I didn't notice if it was. Well, I had a quote from Dana that I want to mention too. She says, I'm too young to be absorbed. <laughs> Which I only wanted to bring up because I was like, D- that's kind of a, what one, it's a jab in Tarrant's face because she says it to Tarrant and he's like, we got to go. And she's like, yeah, I'm too young to be absorbed. He's like, okay, Tarrant is. Well, that's just one of those. It's just like, I'm too young to die type but, thing. Like, yeah. it's just one of those type of things. Except like in reality, she's not that young. She's a teenager, but. I, I wouldn't. In the context of this joke. <laughs> yeah. When you say, when someone says, I'm too young to die, it's like, you're a kid. Or it's said as like an ironic thing when you're like, when you're mid-30s, you're like, I'm too young to die. Mid-30s is too young to die. Yeah, mid-30s is too young to die. But she's like teenager years, which to me is like in the weird gray area between yeah, the two people know, who typically say that line is I what I'm getting at here. I wouldn't think about it all that much. <laughs> yeah, well, I thought about it, right. when the, when it when I heard it and I was like, yeah. <laughs> Dana, you're in that weird gray you're area. You're in that weird gray area where it's okay to die. <laughs> you're in that weird gray area. It, no, but if you look at the like death statistics, there's like a, a sudden like dip in like the the what is it? It's the it's the number of deaths per capita per age, and there's like a sudden like I think it's a spike at a certain age or really? a dip at huh. a certain age in your teenage years. Uh, and I remember reading the explanation for it, but I don't remember it now. Huh? It's weird. Anyway, that's all I have to say on this. Yeah, that's it for me. We do have uh, a part of an email to respond to. RG emailed us uh, a combo email about both this and next week's episode, Moloch. So we're just going to read and respond to the uh, part about Ultra World. And then next week, we'll respond to the the part about Moloch. Because we thought that was the best way to do this. Yep. Hi, companions. I have some thoughts about these two episodes. Ultra World. This was the first episode of Blake 7 that I remember watching. I found the bit where Callie was on the moving platform about to be absorbed by the brain quite disturbing. There were a lot of things I liked about the episode, but in particular, Dana and Tarrant performing the, quote, mating ritual, unquote, especially the part where they count down before throwing the bomb. Some see the scene as hinting that they have actually had sex, but I don't see it that way. No one can break Avon. No, wait, they do. I enjoyed Vela ranting to Orac. The brain itself looked really good, I thought. How many times did the team go running down corridors in this? Every five seconds, they were running down and on another one. Did you notice that one of the managers of Ultra World did not have a shaved head? The actor refused to do it. The other two look much cooler with their shaved uh, from making Blake 7. Yeah, I did notice that, actually. I didn't Was, actually uh, notice that, nope. surprisingly. Yeah, one of them has a... Um you know, his that hair. ring, like he's he's bald, but it he's balding. It's, yeah, balding. He has a sort of ring, and yeah, the ones with the shaved heads do look much cooler. <laughs> yeah, I I think I agree with pretty much everything mm-hmm. you said, RG. Yeah, in terms of the the ritual, I didn't see that as a hint that there was anything going on between Dana and Tarrant. Yeah, if anything, I see their willingness to do it. It's just a hint that there may be some actual attraction between them, and that it wasn't just a 
ploy, but I didn't see any hints of them actually having sex or anything. Yeah, but she yeah. says all their clothes are still on at the end of the scene. I, I, I mean, I think the the ideas that they have had before this, which and yeah, I, I think the uh, the brain looked really good, like we mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Uh, new new theory proposal right here, RG. I know you didn't uh, see a problem with Dana and Tarrant in in volcano volcano. New theory, is that possibly because this episode was a very Dana and Tarrant episode, and huh. this is the first episode of Blake 7 you ever watched? That's interesting, but yeah, that's, I mean, I didn't see a problem with uh, Dana and Tarrant here either, and that, also, that might mm-hmm. be because, you know, I we've gotten less of them, I think, than I would have liked. Mm-hmm. But also they've been established But all, Right, point. also they've been established. Also, this is just a better episode than Volcano. <laughs> yes, well, what isn't a better episode than Volcano is the real question. Orac, I think. I still think Orac is the worst episode of Blake 7. Yeah, I'm And it's too. like the only one that I would actually call a bad episode. Terry, Terry, Terry. <laughs> we also have an email from our other correspondent, Maurice. He says, subject Zenith feedback, hello. It says hello, like I think I say hello in the beginning, but not in text. It says something like, hello. Okay, a quick note because I'm in the middle of moving. Rezena35, glad you had RG on. Nice to have on. Female voice on the show, really enjoyed that. Contrary to the popular myth Dylan cited, hair and fingernails do not continue to grow after death. They just seem to, because the skin around them attracts as it becomes dehydrated, making them appear longer, hence the idea that they grow. Fair point. Yeah, Thanks I for the correction. No, about any of that, so. Yeah. Rezena33, the show notes 33 say you can Google Blake 7 scripts and find them. I did. Here's the script for Dawn of the Gods. It's spelled Herculaneum, H-E-R-C-U-L-A-N-I-U-M. I hasten to point out that what you've linked to is not, in fact, a TV shooting script, but a mere dialogue transcript. And this, you can't mine that for any inside information like spellings of terms. Right? Because if you remember Maurice's last email, he talked about Herculaneum being spelled I-U-M or E-U-M. And that would change maybe if it's a reference to a city or not. So we still don't know is the verdict there. Uh, cheers, Maurice. Yeah, Thanks for the thanks. email, Maurice. Yep. And yeah, that concludes our emails for this week. Mm, you can reach us at thedoctordecadervegetable.com. Questions, comments, concerns, angry rants, love letters, your thoughts on Ultra World. Please email us. We always love reading emails. You can find us on YouTube at Decorative Vegetable. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Google Play at Zenith, a Blake 7 podcast. Be sure to leave a rating if you like the show. Check us on Facebook. Trust your doctor. Like us on Facebook. Check us on Twitter at TYD Podcast and follow us on Twitter. And next time we're watching Moloch. But until then, the end.